you ever want to or actually shoot bow and arrow? Oh, yes, I did. You did or wanted to? Uh, I shot bow at a uh, a few times though when I went to a fair and then... Oh, nice. Like a rent fair? Yeah. And then when I had, I think there was an archery uh, segment when I went to like camp. Nice. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was a really like kind of ghetto uh, sec- setup they had, but I do remember having bows and then uh, shooting them, having fun with that. But at the Ren Fair, I crushed it. I was I was good at that. Really? Yeah, because in my head, I was like, Tyler, because uh, my brother and I, we got dressed up and we went there and I was like, all right, so Tyler definitely, he's the brute. He's the one who's going to use the sword. I'm going to have to get better with the bow. I have to be good at the bow. And so when we like both did it, I was like, I have to beat Tyler right now. And I did. Nice. Yeah. I remember, because I was shooting, I had a bow. It was my dad's bow. But I used to shoot it. I would practice every day after school mm. to try to be good with a bow. Well, to just shoot a bow. <laughs> yeah, dude. And then I went to a Ren Fair a while later, and I saw the big archery section, and I was so mad. <laughs> oh, no, why? Because I went up, and I was like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> this little bow thing. Like, what? the arrow's going to arc down. That's yeah. so weak. I was so I was so annoyed. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, because the bow I had was a recurve. Mm. And it was pretty heavy weighted, too. The one you owned? The one I owned. Yeah. It was very heavy weight on the draw. And I remember, I didn't think about it. Because when you do something, and when you practice it for a long time, you don't really think about how much you've built up, right? Yeah. It's kind of like you see yourself every day in the mirror and you don't see somebody for four years. And then when you see them, they just, you look so different. You look so grown up. You look so X, Y, or Z. And to you, no, I don't. Yeah. I look the same. Yeah. With the bow, I was shooting it every day for hours. Fuck. And months go by. And I had my friends come over and I was like, I want to teach you guys how to shoot a bow and arrow. And I put it out. I knocked the arrow. I brought it back uh, pretty much on my cheek weld like I do with a rifle or something. So you so you know exactly where it is uh-huh. kind of thing. So you can aim better. Pulled it back and I just showed them how to do it. I showed them how to stand. At least what I thought was how to stand. I, it's not like I took formal lessons on how yeah, to yeah. shoot a bow. But what felt best and what I researched. And one of my friends, I hand him the bow. Uh, we knock an arrow. And he just, he goes to pull it. And. Yeah. I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> he just. I know that feeling. He stops and he looks at me. Yeah. I was like. Pull it back. Yeah. He. Yeah. I can't. I was like, what do you mean you can't? Dude, it's a nightmare. I remember. Now I do remember. My dad had a bow. And I, I did. I tried pulling it. And I physically couldn't. Dude, I was blown away. Yeah, that's just a nightmare. I looked at my dad like, what? And he was laughing so hard. I was like, this is <laughs> the, the funny thing is, what I didn't know then, because obviously my dad, it was his bow. Yeah. So he was went with me to shoot. And you stand a... I would say a pretty standard way. Mm. And the problem that a lot of people were doing, and I think that my friends were doing, that I couldn't communicate to them that they were doing wrong. I just, I kept doing the just pull it yeah. thing. So they're holding it and they're trying to use their bicep. They're like, they're trying to use their arm. 
Yeah. To pull this thing back. Uh-uh. <laughs> you pretty much grab it, and then you use your back muscles. Uh, like, you, you cinch your back together. You know how you have the little chicken wings? Yeah. Just kind of imagine you're, you're trying to make those touch. Mm. Trying to make those touch with all your back muscles. So you're going to use all those and your arm a bit. Yeah. But you're going to use all that, your shoulder. That's how you're going to pull it back. Oh, uh, okay. But none of us, I don't, not, not many people today are going to pull back <laughs> like a longbow that they yeah. used to use in medieval times. I was going to say, I thought it was more of um, the concept of like when you're pulling a, uh, the, like a snowmobile requires a, it's a, a same concept as like a lawnmower, but it's, it's really heavy. And I remember when I was younger, I tried fucking pulling it and I looked like an idiot. I just, just pull it. And, and my dad was like getting all upset. Like, all right, like he, he gets the laugh one and then you fuck it up again. And then that, that point you hear the dad going, okay, do it this time. And then you're like, fuck one more time. And I'm going to get yelled at for not being able to do this right now. Uh, but then I found out that, uh, there's like, there's a level where it's slack and then you hit a wall that becomes taut that is when you're supposed you're not supposed to just pull from zero you're supposed to bring it to 20 once it goes taut then you put your your effort into the pull but if you go from zero you try to pull you're going to hit that tautness at 20 run out of energy and still try to keep pulling you will not get enough energy to yank all the way through that engine yeah that's definitely not how you do a bow oh okay good <laughs> That was my concept. When I did it as a kid, I was like, uh, it didn't make sense. I gave up. A dad laughed. I put it back in his truck and moved on. And then when I did the, when I finally got the snowmobile, in my head I was like, I bet the bow was like this. Nah, because you want it to be, you want it to be a pretty smooth draw. Oh, okay. So you're using all those muscles, not just your arm. Because you're, you're, if it's very heavy and you're small, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. And you're, I don't think you're going to get a very good stable stance with it or anything. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because a compound bow is actually the opposite of that. Oh. The one with all the wheels, like pulleys systems and stuff. Yeah. Your dad's was probably a compound yeah, bow, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So the compound bow is the exact opposite of what you just just, just described. Taught as fuck at the beginning and looser in the, uh, later on. Yeah. So you start to pull it back and that's where all the weight is going to be. Yeah. Because the the pulley system in it. Once that starts to engage, that will help you with the rest of the draw. Oh. So the first little bit is all of the all of the weight on the pull, and then it gets easy all the way back. Yeah. Because all that mechanism is helping you. Mine was a recurve bow. So it did. It was just a piece of wood. <laughs> so it was heavy the whole, oh, shit. The whole way. But it Damn. was also huge. It was like a it was like a f- almost six foot tall bow. Oh fuck. Yeah, it was pretty big. That thing was so hard to string also. Oh, you stringed it? Yeah, so the string was on it. Yeah. And then you just, because you didn't want to just leave it strung up. Yeah. It'll kind of, could mess up the wood from what I was told by my dad. Really? Okay. Yeah, if it's just always taut. Yeah, I would expect, yeah, that makes sense. And if you're not shooting for years. Yeah. I didn't see that bow until I was probably 13 years old. Yeah. It wasn't used for 13 years, I got bet. Yeah. Well, except for when my dad shot a raccoon out of the backyard. Uh, as, no, a rabbit. He wanted to shoot a raccoon, but he shot a rabbit, which was, I thought my dad was a god that day. Yeah, I would. He shot a running rabbit with Jesus a bow and arrow Christ. in the backyard. 
Head to toe in camouflage too, which was crazy to see. <laughs> yeah. Funny looking back on it, my dad was like twenty five when he did that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, you had to, you you had to just push the bow down while pushing. You had to, uh, I don't know, compress the bow yeah. while pushing the string up to get it to uh, to the little grooves to make it uh, uh, strung up. Damn. And it was so hard to do that. <laughs> Bro, it was so there were days I there was a few weeks period, maybe even a month where I would work on it every day. Fuck. Every single day I would just sit there trying to string it for hours. And then I would just have to wait till my dad got home from work and then he'd string it and then I'd go practice. Oh. And then the next day and my mom would just watch me. She's like, "What what why don't you just wait till your dad gets home? Like I have to be able, at some point. I have to be able to do it. Yeah. And then the day that I could do it, oh, was so good. It was amazing to be able to string it myself, go out and shoot. Damn. I uh, I did not do that. My dad has the yeah the wheelies and the pulleys. I remember that it was a uh, camouflaged bow that he always kept in his trunk of his car. And uh, yeah, I remember once. There was a, I, th- I swear, maybe it was like another bow that like my uncle had or something like that. Because I remember my, uh, we always went over to my uncle's because he had acres and acres of, of land. And he always hunted on it. That was like a thing that he always did. And so my dad would always go over and hunt there. But that's where his shit was. So he would go there and, you know, th- that's where he'd be like, oh, like, Tage, learn how to shoot a rifle. Or here's my shotgun and stuff. So they just got to like hang out, like be near like uh, guns and hunting tools and stuff. And... He had a fake deer in his yard where it was um, it was mostly plastic, but the torso, there was a big square in it that was meant for arrows to go in. <laughs> and I remember my dad, I swear it wasn't the his bow because there's no way I was able to get through it. <laughs> so I think Uncle Carl had an easier bow or something. Something for me because I finally was able to pull a fucking arrow back. And I remember that I was like, all right, shoot that deer. My uncle was not there. And I let that fucking thing go. And it just, bah, right in the head and ruined the plastic. My dad just went, like, well, I, but you got to expect that. Somebody yeah. shoot. I'm surprised you hit the thing. I know. I was really excited. Uh, at the same time, I was hyped. And dad, would, there was a bit of excitement there. And at the same time, he's like, Carl, Carl's not gonna like that. But, but dude, I I don't think you can be mad at somebody for for shooting something that is a target. Yeah, there's no, no shot, Uncle Carl. I don't. I never heard any bit from Uncle Carl. I think it it, it it never came back. So I'm sure he probably just laughed it off. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember thinking, and I I think I'd still do this to this day, but it's not. It's a useless thought. Yeah. I we had one of those. It's this little. I don't type of mechanism. It's this little deal that you push forward. It's a handle pretty much. You push it forward onto the string and it locks in place. And then you pull that back so you can have your entire grip on it. Oh, you pull cool. that back and you push a button and it lets go. Oh damn. To shoot the to the shoot the arrow. And my dad was telling me to use it. And I was saying no. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pull the thing back. Yeah. So I went and got this glove. I wonder if my parents still have it. It's this glove. It wraps around your wrist, and then it has these uh, leather straps that go up your first three fingers. Okay. And then they cap leather over your fingertips. 
Really? So that you can grip it and not have the string tear the skin off your fingers. Yeah. So it's these yeah. leather deals. And, dude, I used to just wear it around. Hell yeah. I would just wear that around. People are like, what's that? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it? Yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's my glove. Right? <laughs> I felt so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is the best. Damn. I named my arrows. One really? Of them, one of them was Aragorn. Um, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it was my favorite arrow. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? That is good. Was, that is absolutely good. <laughs> it was Aragorn. Uh, it, was my, it was my best arrow. But uh, I was bringing up arrows, bow and arrow a little bit, because uh, uh, Su- Surune yeah. is the name of uh, this show. Yep. Uh, do you know? <laughs> do you know what uh, company made this? What no. studio? No, Kyoto Animation. Um, gotcha. So <laughs> I don't really understand the name because they say the name is the sound that the bow makes. Yeah, and I do know that Japanese bows make in. They have a term. I don't remember what the name of the bow there is. They make a very specific noise. You can tell it's it's a. Uh, traditional Japanese bow by how it sounds. They also had short bows and stuff, but this is... He doesn't shoot many bows. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> what? It's not a rubber band. <laughs> it always sounds like more of a thwack to me yeah. than it does an untuned bass. <laughs> but I do trust Kyoto with tons of stuff, and I love bow and arrow. I would love to get back into it. Um, so I wanted to see what this was all about. So we're gonna get into Surune. Thwack, right? Uh, Dude, <laughs> god damn. Maybe that's the name of the sound. Oh, okay. It, it's not an onomatopoeia, but it's the name of the sound. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's just the name of the sound. <laughs> Damn. Why didn't I think of that before? I thought it was an onomatopoeia. Damn, this uh, this anime's music is... Kyoto Animation is the fucking best, dog. They are the goats. I was going to say, where's the short one? Damn, bro. Damn. Was he short? I bet there's going to be a dude who's tiny. He's not that much shorter. <laughs> short King, bro. Dude, Short King is the one that all the girls are yelling nah. for. That's who they were yelling for, bro. He says it's lucky to find them, but this old man knows something. Oh, this old man sniped them out. All these weird girls. Whoa. Dude, what? Who knew? Dude, damn. Bro. The ladies love the uh, Kudo Club. Bruh. The second two boys join in, just a flock of ladies. A gaggle, some would say. A litany of ladies. A A gaggle of gals. A murder of crows. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, what? (laughs) Me and you. Why? Why? Why has oh, that got to be you, bro? It's me and you, Bruh. Dude, the one everyone's afraid of because he's off-putting is me. The one everybody loves is you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how this goes. <laughs> Dude, it's true. Everyone has these gloves. Meanwhile, there was Justin's ass. <laughs> this old man is really calling him out right now. Oh, no, dude. He's like, hey, bro, I need you to come up. I feel like his mom spoke to this dude before things went sour and she passed away. It was like, I need him to continue. That's sad. Oh, look at the boys coming together to support him. Way to go, guys. Just, just make him relive this trauma. Bro, Kyoto Animation makes haters. That's some bullshit, dude. Kyoto, why is it bullshit? They're coming in here with yeah, just like Babe Ruth. They they walk in a studio and point at the fucking the the roof of the building, and they're like, "We're gonna we're gonna hit past it." Here we go. They make haters, and then the fucking ball comes and they right out of the park. It's like what? It's like um, uh, just every every. Thing that they decide, they're like, what are we gonna do? Pull a thing out of a hat. Arrows. Let's make a godly anime about arrows. Bro, it's not even about arrows, though. That's some the best bullshit, part. Dude. That's the best part. It's about facing some form of trauma in the past. And uh, last week we talked a little bit about uh, um, uh, exposition. Yeah. Yes. Right. And this this also goes into the show don't tell kind of situation. Mm-hmm. We had a bunch of exposition given to us and a fair amount of it was complete subtext because him and uh, his glasses, best friend with the dog, good friend with the dog, yeah. right in the very beginning, he washes his face, right? And they're talking and the conversation isn't anything crazy, but he lifts his shirt up to dry his face and the camera shows us a scar on his side mm. while we're coming to an understanding that his mom has passed. So we now know that it was a horrible some form of accident that his mom is gone and he was harmed by it too oh fuck right? I, so did, I did not deduce that we get we get a <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> we had a scar. huge scar on his side i was thinking about something else in the scene because his friend was offering a towel but he refused to take the help he did it himself yeah so that's also giving us an, a better understanding of who he is and where his mindset is at the moment. Yeah. Not letting people in close because he can't have them be there. He can't be out and about with other people. He says a lie. I have to take care of stuff at the house. Yeah. Which he, he probably does. Yeah, there's some he, stuff. He said yeah. that he's he makes food for well, he was saying he wanted to be he wanted to make a specific type of food for his dad, ginger yeah. pork. Yeah. But it, he went home and laid in his bed for the rest of the day. Yeah. So he didn't have a bunch of chores that he needed to be doing at home. Mm. Like no one's home. The, the house isn't getting lived in. So it's not gathering up necessity for chores. He doesn't actually have too much to do at home. Yeah. They gave us the lie so that they could show us that it was a lie. Yeah. Uh, it's just a bunch of little things mm. that they, they give you an understanding of who these characters are. Uh, what they mean to each other and what they're thinking. And they do a bunch of cut-ins on somebody, especially, uh, I think his name was like Shire or something like that, the glasses guy. I was going to say, I'm going to name them by certain features. Short King, Glasses, Kachan, and Tall Dude. Kachan keeps his name, though, because... <laughs> he yeah, had a Kachan, because yeah, uh, you made a deal out of it. But yeah, the guy, the guy with the glasses, when 
it seems like he knows the main character very, very well. Yeah, he's and they've see, been around he each other a ton. In the ending, there was two different groups of friends. And uh, it was like the beginning, him and them and tall dude before he got tall. And then it was just him. And then it goes back to him, glasses, and then another guy we haven't met yet. And then it was him alone. So that's two different times glasses has been in his life. And any time something was going on, they would give us, there wasn't even lines. They would give us a reaction shot of him yeah. looking at his friend. Him not even seeing, well, we would see the reaction of the friend to specific phrases, to specific things he's seeing. Yeah. But on top of his bigger, more uh, want-to-be-hidden emotional response, mm. they would also cut to the friend. No lines, just looking at him. Yeah. And I always talk about trust in an audience and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I just think that Kyoto does this kind of stuff where it's not just that they trust the audience. They trust that that they can pull it off. Yeah. No, I mean, they like there was just like that simple little moment of when they fucking walked into the, I don't know what the place is called when they, when they do Kyoto. It'd be like Kyoto. Kyoto. Kyoto yeah. is, a place, is, a place, <laughs> is a place slash the studio. Uh, Kyoto. I don't know if that's how Kyudo. it's pronounced, but K-Y-U-D-O. Kyoto. Yeah, I don't know. Like the uh, the the building in which they they practice in um, the range. I guess yeah, it'd probably be like a yeah. shooting, just a shooting range. Yeah. So, but when they walked in the shooting range, it was a fucking gorgeous shot. It was just like as they walk in, the wind, the fucking sunlight, the beautiful arcing, uh, glistening light off of the laminated wood. It was beautiful. I feel like I just actually walked into the shooting range. I was like, God damn, God damn it, Kyoto. Fucking stunned on the competition over here, bro. Bro, it's just, I, I just, and, because it, it always looks so good, and I love the simplicity of it, and the, they don't go crazy with trying to show everything in a face. Yeah. They give you exactly what you need for our brains as humans to understand what the character is feeling. It's like they, they know what they can do to eyebrows, to noses, to eyes, uh, to the mouth to get a emotion across mm -hmm. almost like Kabuki and this isn't necessarily the face, but in Kabuki you get into a position and that position with your body means an emotion. So when somebody is angry, they get into the position of anger. They get into the position of whatever emotion they're, they're, giving off yeah and that's how the audience knows and it's almost like this they they have such a good understanding of the positions and how they want to show emotion in a face that they can just they do that and let you understand it yeah nobody says look how mad he is right now <laughs> because they don't need some other character to say look how mad that guy is yeah or, or, or look how distraught he is. Or an inner monologue of the character being like, God, I'm so mad right now. Yeah. Like <laughs> this kid, I feel like I, I have a pretty good understanding, at least of how much they want me to know. Yeah. I have a pretty good understanding of how hard this is for him and how much he doesn't want to be around. He, he went to sneak out the back. He left class very quickly so that his friends couldn't talk to him. And then he went to leave through the, the back way. And it wasn't him saying that. And it wasn't them going crazy showing us 
a long trek through his school because the back way takes longer than the front way or something like that. Yeah. It was, he's quickly getting his stuff together. And his friend's like, why are you leaving out the back, bro? Yeah. Like, I, I, I wanted to see you. Um, and they could get that information. They got the information out fast. There was no, there was no wasted time. They cut all the fat. They got what we needed in the time. Cause there are times that it's just, they let you sit with a shot. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are very heavy and necessary. So they didn't want to have all the extra. Now I'm going to talk to myself about everything that my mom meant to me so that the audience can feel bad for me about my mom. No, they, they barely covered it. Yeah. But you know how much it is destroying him from the inside. Oh yeah. Yep. You just, you get it. They somehow got it all across without talking about it. And outside of the tall friend, cause he's very, Energetic. Very energetic, and he's out of the loop, too. Yeah. They, they let us know that he doesn't know about the mom. Uh, he hasn't been around them for an extended period of time. Yeah. He looked up to them when he was younger. One of the cool things is everybody looks up to this kid, and he can't see it, at least from what I was seeing here. The one kid, I started Kudo because of you. You, you looked so cool when you were doing it. Uh, so many people are looking up to him, and it's like he looked up to his mom, and he lost her. So he just can't understand how many people have, without saying, I look up to you, have already said to him, I look up to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, well, I'm, I'm actually having a bit of conflicted, uh, conflicted feelings about this episode and nothing about the conveying of like how it was animated and it was beautiful and it was a gorgeous story. But it, I guess it has brought up emotions that have stirred in me that it's almost um, like anger in a way is uh, I, I like I got angry at the friends for putting him through that. It almost felt pressured and it felt like I, I got so I but it also uh, giving like due um, not diligence, but uh, the story was so good it allowed me to get so immersed I feel angry. Yeah, but is it bad to feel angry? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm, no yeah, yeah, I'm just like I, that's just a question because yeah. there's been movies that have made me very angry, and I talk about how much I hate the movies. Yeah, and then I, I come to an understanding that I was just like, yeah, I'm just not saying you're wrong. I'm just posing that. Is it bad to be angry? No, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think that's what I'm. I'm kind of reeling with because the the way you the good things I can talk about the anime are. It sounds like you hate it, bro. No, like I love good things. <laughs> the few good things. <laughs> the many things about this anime that it was—it's stunning. Music, beautiful. Sound, gorgeous. The feeling of of what they wanted to convey, which is the feeling of loss and overcoming loss, is absolutely an, a message that I I see. I fully grasp. I get it. But uh, I guess maybe it's maybe it's deeper stuff within me that it. It made me so mad, like when when he went to when he went to go to the bike and stuff. He was at his bike and he was trying to sneak out the back because he knew, he knew, his his friends were gonna try to pressure him back into it. He said no, he said fucking no, and I get that his friends wanted to push him, but that that tall friend pissed me right off when he was like he was like no dude just come sit. I would have snapped. I'd have been like get the fuck away. I said no. And because I'm dealing with traumas, I already sated in front of you and a teacher. And then you just, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know you lost your mom. Yeah. Thank you. Not something I really want to talk about. I would like to move on. But 
I, I, I also know that this is going to be a beautiful story of, I, I think you pointed something out. If the mom left a message like, don't let my son quit, it feels like, because I'm like, why are they all like, fuck off? But I almost feel like you're right. If there was a message or like a thing that's like kind of telling them like, don't, when my son's going to push away, don't let him. And there, it feels like they have a higher goal because he he does want to push away. It's terrifying. I met like that that element that's so scary of of like when you were like you know they're all looking up to him, but at the moment that is so detrimental and destroying. Where he went to go do it, and suddenly he remembers the fuck up he made, and then he hears everyone's voice. God, is he is he ever going to be good at archery again? Like, oh. Run home crying for sure. That's terrifying, and the emotions they conveyed—beautiful. That little shot of him pedaling up the hill as it shots of everyone looking at him, kind of weird. People treating him differently. His friend trying to do a consoling, like, "Hey, man, it's gonna be okay." Like, don't like that was such a beautiful little like run home, scared feeling or whatever. And that's why I'm I'm Kyoto did a beautiful job of of not saying in one episode like like this new guy who showed this beautiful form of archery. There wasn't this really corny moment of like, that guy's so fucking good. Fuck all my old problems. I really want to be an archer again. That's a long road. But for a second, it had nothing to do with pressures. It had nothing to do with anybody. The fact is, main character, you love archery. And things that are around you have either molded or changed or affected how you perform, and I think it's it's in your head that you're not able to hit the target. You can. You know you can. Your form is perfect. It's gorgeous. But the second you come up to the point where you let go of the string, that's when your your mind attacks you. And getting over that is some. That's a that's a very 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 serious hurdle. A lot of people have to come up with. And I think it's a beautiful beautiful story that Kyoto is, is like. We're gonna make a little anime about. Well, there's also, there's this little thing that I think people, whether consciously or subconsciously, do. He's carrying around his glove. Yeah. At all times. And people know that it's in there. Like, his friend knows that it's in that zipped up bag. Yeah. So it's not like it's hidden. On his desk is all of his books about form, about technique, about being better at it. All this stuff. Whether subconscious or not, or fully conscious he's pretty much telling he's telegraphing for people to talk about archery with him it's true so he can be angry about it and he can have problems with it and he can not want to do it mm. or tell himself that he doesn't want to do it but we as as people we do this kind of stuff a lot yeah where uh, I I'll, I swear this off forever, but I'm going to keep a keychain of it <laughs> because somebody might notice it and somebody might talk about it with me yeah. and maybe it'll help me push through. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that is very, it's hyper difficult. It's extremely difficult, but there are times when something catastrophic has happened and you want to suppress it, push it down. You can't deal with it anymore. But if every time it comes up, it's debilitating and and ruins your day, week, month, you are in hysterics because of it, at a certain point, just as a person, yeah. 
you have to, you have to face it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you also just can't put that on everybody around you anytime. And it is, they are forcing him. They are very, it, I, it's weird because it's aggressive, but it's not aggressive at all. Like it's, it's like supportively aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, how about you try now? Yeah. And the, the old dude, he was even like, oh, I want you guys to be in it. I'm not going to do it. All right. You don't have to. I'm not going to force anybody. If you ever want to, just stop by. Yeah. Uh, and then the friends are like, dude, you were like the best, all this stuff. Um, So they are bringing him to it. But I, I, at a certain point, he also can't just always have it be, they're in the club. Yeah. What, are they just never going to say it around him? <laughs> is he going to... He <laughs> It's like, uh, no, my, my stuff yeah. goes right over. You guys can never talk about the stuff you do after school with me. Yeah. Like you have to deal with my problems constantly. Um, yeah. And I think, well, it's also, uh, you said, um, a while ago about there's certain things and elements of stories that have to be either heightened or tweaked to make a story progress. A story is the point of a character arc and, the 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 point at which Kyoto has started this character's arc is fucking brutal, but this is an arc he has to come over because it's it's not it's like it's like uh, you see like a couple that's been together for a long time fighting about something. It's almost never about the thing they were just started fighting about. There's a there's a much deeper issue that is the fight. So obviously. Is he, you know, is it really like, God, he just, I don't know, he looks at the target and he just fucking chokes the last second. It's not about the target at all. So it's it's going to be this beautiful thing. And that's why it's thinking about the ending is so fun of like, what does this guy represent? This new guy who seems very um, detached from his other life, but still archery. I wonder what will what it will provide him. Uh, uh, story-wise within his his arc. I'm excited to see, because right now, from what from what we've been presented in the first episode, all of the other bros, like yeah. all the Archer dudes around him, are not just for themselves, hyper different characters. Yeah. They all represent a different thing to him and how they approach him. Uh tall guy who was a friend and would hang out with them but hasn't been with him his entire life is uh, ignorant to some things that he has to deal with is sporadic and excited constantly yeah and we have those kind of friends in our lives we do where you love them to death but sometimes you're like you're a lot to deal with in every moment yeah and then he has the the friend who is uh, contemplative and watches him and tries to understand everything and doesn't speak a whole lot, but tries to have weight with his words when he does. Mm. And then there's a dude who seemingly obviously, <laughs> it seems as though he obviously did tournaments with this guy yeah. when oh, they were growing up. Oh, yeah. And he's hyper abrasive about it. And these are all different ways. Each one of those guys is also stepping up to the plate in their own personal way, trying to break him out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, Cause each person responds differently to many different things. Some people you have to be, no, look, you're going to do this because you're being a fuck up right now. Mm -hmm. And 
these are the steps we're going to take. Stop being a piece of shit, okay? That's how some people operate. Yeah. They need that person. Yeah. And I think with the different characters they've laid out around him, it's almost a a, a, a nice little buffet of these are all the different ways people are going to try to help somebody. And if you're going through things, this is how they respond best. This is how people around you will respond uh, or how they in their personal lives need to be stoked. Yeah. And we're going to show you each one of those so you you can... It's almost like you can understand if I'm going through a horrible problem and this person comes up to me and they grab me on the shoulder and they're angry with me because I'm not being the best I can be. That's why they're angry. It's because I'm not being the best they think I can be. Sure, it's going to be annoying and it can piss you off. But if that person's anger is based on wanting you to be better, yeah, then maybe you take a breath and understand they're not being malicious towards me. This is their only avenue that they can understand to try to help me. Yeah. And I can tell them, hey, this ain't, this isn't me. <laughs> yeah. This isn't how it works for me. But I think it, I think it, at least what it feels like is they're showing all these different ways that people try to help each other. Mm. And in a way, through the main character, we can learn grace in those moments. The uh, the Mal was very big about describing how uh, the the point of going into this is not that you know he'll find archery again, but it's the the Mal said like uh, group with his friends. He's in this with his friends, like him and the, him and his buddies are going to do this again. And it almost felt like so much. I was like, why do they keep? It? Yeah, it's going to be like a. I thought from the picture, I was like, it's going to be a fucking thing of a bunch of dude bros shooting some bows like that's what's gonna happen but now i almost see especially with that really fun example of a buffet of coping mechanisms or um uh, ways through problems through trauma and each one can approach things differently but almost every one of them seem to want to help him because it's this this character has been set up that the, the, the you know they need to move forward they need to have that character arc but they the 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 problem in the story is not a physical thing it's not an enemy it's himself it's his mind so to overcome that to have this massive group of support that come from different ways in a tackling like like you said you have the abrasively fun loving and overly attentive but like a golden retriever just attack you with some love feeling like they, he's like he's like dude I'm, I'm here for you like I've, i fucking i loved when i saw you when younger i want to get to know you more like let's do this and it's like yeah. yeah that's a lot but maybe you need that because how many days are you sitting there at your bed looking at your fucking desk being like i wish i had the energy to read the book i love then suddenly here comes the dude kicking the door in like i fucking love you let's hang out and you're like oh it's hard not to have that affection run off rub off on you and then there's the contemplative who who watches you and and cares enough that that examines and is like hey i know this is tough for you like imagine how cool that is that a friend knows you so well that if they're in a situation suddenly they hear word they look at you because they're like i know I know what hurts. I'm I'm here. Whatever you need. And you're like, that's so cool to know someone cares enough to watch so like a like a mother hen. And then there's and then there's like the fucking Bakugo, Kachan over here, 
funny. Uh, but he, uh, he, he comes at you because maybe he has a, like you said, maybe they fought in competitions before where he's like, dude, you're, you were amazing. You have to stay in, I'm fucking trying to beat you. How can I beat you if you don't stay on top? Get in there, bucko. Like, how dare you be my rival and not be the best? So it's, there's this, le- and then Lord knows what fucking, I don't know what friendship ladies man Short, Short King, King is bringing in, but maybe he's just like, dude, listen, you got a slight puss. I don't know. I'm trying to think of Jesus. another way. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's just, that's such a fun concept of this. And that's why, like, I'm dying to know what, what this side character is. It's almost like, like he's, he might be like a, um, like an allowance for the other character because if he doesn't know him, if they don't know each other, then that might have a, a therapeutic feeling for the main character to just not... He doesn't know any of the troubles. He doesn't know the traumas. This guy has no idea about the main character, maybe. Maybe it allows him to have a step out, or maybe he does. I'm like... But he's also so mythical. Dude, like, he was. The guy was so mythical. He he was he was through Tory Gates. Like, you had to walk up a path of Tory Gates, which... Those, I was gonna say those, that's what that's called. I didn't know. Yeah, those uh, like it's the two poles going up to the um, like an archway. Yeah, it's like okay. those archways. Those okay. are Tory gates. Okay, and those lead. Those Tory gates lead to um, not temples. Uh, uh pl- pretty much little places of worship, little temples almost. No shit. That's okay. what they lead. Whenever you see Tory gates, it's, they're leading to those. Okay, shrines. They lead to shrines. Oh, okay, okay. Um, he had to walk up through Tory gates. Uh, to hear because he could hear the the perfect uh, uh, surane, <laughs> the perfect thwang. Yeah, he could hear the perfect, and then he goes up, and the guy he even comments that he has perfect form, and seeing the form, the moon is going up above the mountain, so the light shifts as he's as he's uh, loosing his arrow, and then an owl is there, and he calls to the owl. It's like this mythical perfect idea of an archer and also a little cut to every one of his arrows crushing it on the mark this man's just nailing it every time so it's almost i don't know i don't know what he is i have no idea all i can do is think but he is a a standard he is a perfect example of what an archer should be Mm. and owl and all Owl and all. I mean, you could get the you could get the fletchings from the owl, the fletchings <laughs> for your arrow. You need feathers, right? Maybe yeah. that's their that's their friendship. Um, <laughs> but I do. I feel as though everybody needs the thing to look to. Yeah. Uh, I heard somebody talking a while back. I don't even remember what the subject matter was. Uh, it was somebody I was watching an interview with them, and they said that they they became the big fish in a pond in a small pond and it was comfortable because they were the one everybody looked to they were the one that that led the pack but they had to move they had to change their job they had to pretty much move to the ocean right in that metaphor they needed to go to the ocean so that they could be small again so that they could have something to attain mm. and that always stuck with me because you hear people, I guess this might be just like an acting or an art thing, maybe uh, acting for me specifically. But I heard somebody once talk about how they'll never do a role better than they just did. Like, that's the best they'll ever do. And I was like, you might as well retire then. <laughs> yeah. If you can never get better, why would you 
Why would you keep going? Yeah. I just think it's weird to think that's the perfect thing I'll ever do. Like, that just feels weird. Yeah. Uh, I would say the same thing about art. I think uh, I try to have the mindset of your your best drawing is always before, like, is 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 coming. It's it's not something you've done in the past. Your yeah. best drawing is to come. Well, and to think that you can never, that you have peaked and you can't get better than where you are now. Yeah. I feel like that's just a horror. That feels like a terrible thought. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's good to, to be impressed upon how far you've come. And I think people should do that. I think people should be excited for the work they've accomplished. But to think I've perfected it. I can never get better than I am right now. That's the end. Yeah. There's nothing past that. And I don't know if... It's weird, but I don't know if this guy's even real. (laughs) The dude that he just found at the end. That's true. um, And I think he needs somebody to, to see as... The perfect form. Something to look up to. He needs... Because everybody else seems to look up to him. Yeah. And he's lost somebody, so he can't be the guy that everyone looks up to. Yeah. Uh, well, he can be, actually. Yeah, he, he can, can be, be the guy everybody looks right up now, to. Right now. But yeah. he needs somebody that he can look up to. Mm. Because if you're the person... Take take uh, racing. Uh, especially when you're training. When you're training for runs... They will have like the rabbit, right? They'll have the pace setter, yep. the pacemaker. <laughs> That's for hearts. Damn. <laughs> but when you're, when you're training, especially when you're running and stuff like that, they'll have somebody. So say you're running, not a mile, say you're running an 800. Okay. They'll have somebody run 200 with you, a 200 with you. And then they're ready to go. They haven't been running. They've warmed up, obviously, but they're they're much faster than you because they haven't been running for 400 meters already. Yeah. And then you keep going and another pacemaker will pop out and another pacemaker will pop out because you don't necessarily know how fast or how hard you're running in the moment. You might be slacking off a little bit, but these people will help you keep a good pace and understanding of how fast you need to keep going because there's nobody around you. Yeah. So you need that person there for you. You need, that's the most rudimentary way I can say you need somebody to look up to in a more ethereal form. Yeah. Uh, This guy is his pacemaker. It's somebody that he can look to of, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. Uh, Not just from a bow and arrow standpoint, but from a philosophical standpoint. Yeah. Like the going into, uh, that's not the mindset, especially someone who's, who's trying to overcome grief, thinking about uh, like, don't do this. Don't, don't fuck up. Don't, you know, whatever. That's not the mindset of going into something, uh, especially a passion or something that you want to better yourself at. And then people behind you is like, Oh, you're perfect. Your form was always perfect. You're amazing. You're the best. And so that's all you're thinking when you're going in there. Don't, don't, if I, do, if I fuck this up, I'm not perfect. Jesus Christ, oh, don't do that. Instead, if you have, like you said, someone to look up to, you've now changed your mindset. If this guy comes in there and be like, you can, you can work on this. You can do this. So now your mindset is no longer on when you draw that bow. You're not thinking, oh my God, if I fuck this arrow up, everyone's going to say, no. You're thinking about, okay, he told me to, if I breathe better, breathe in as I pull. Like work on something in one goal because each step is a goal forward. 
instead of looking at the entire picture. Because if you look at the whole canvas, it's daunting. It's terrifying. Or even uh, even uh, one that everyone can look at. If you look at the mountain, you're never going to climb it. Look at the step you have to take to climb the mountain. Yeah. 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 It's just like it's just like when you have a goal. You can have a lofty goal. Yeah. But you need to break that lofty goal up into smaller pieces because you need to feel the achievement. Yeah. If your goal is to be a famous YouTuber, if that's your goal to be a famous YouTuber, then every day you don't attain it, every month you don't attain it, after a year when you don't get it, you feel like you can never get it. Yeah. So first, come up with a video idea. Yeah. Second, make it. Mm-hmm. Third, come up with another video idea. Fourth, make it. The next goal, next month, I'm going to upload seven videos. Next month, I'm going to upload 14. The month after that, gain 20,000 followers. <laughs> the month after that, work better with sound. Oh, okay. After the 27,000 followers, then work on your sound. You yeah. need to adjust that. Nah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those little goals of... of uh, and especially if you're doing something like uh, just an easy thing for like YouTube or whatever yeah. is uh, my next goal is to better understand the editing portion. Mm. If you, you can, you can break editing down into so many goal oriented pieces every week. Dude, I get better at this. I get better at this. There's a billion things you can do in editing. So you can have a year's worth of, I am getting better with just the editing software you're using. Yeah. But if you if your if your goal is the biggest part, if that's all you look to, I need to reach these heights. You will always feel burnt out. You will always feel like you're nothing. That you're never gonna make it. Yeah. But if your goal is to take a step, you've achieved. Yeah. If your goal is now to get all the way to the ball, I don't know, run. Then yeah, like if, if yeah, if you're ever doing the tree, I mean, if you're doing the 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 mountain walk, you look up and you're like, make it to that tree. That's all you got to do. Just make it to the tree. You make it to the tree. Yeah. Fucking crushed it, dude. You crushed that. You made oh. it to the tree. Then you look up, make it to the next one. That's even when I'm working out. Yeah. When I'm doing like push-ups, sit-ups, uh, running, calisthenics, when I'm doing just a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. I'll be like, all right, I'm going to do 50 push-ups now. Mm-hmm. Doing push-ups. I get to 25 and now I go five. Okay, five more. One, two, three, four, five. That's 30. So now okay. I go, I only have to do 10. Ten real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, oh, four, five. One, two, three, four. Now I get to fifty. Yeah. Because if I'm just if I'm counting to fifty, I get to twenty five. I'm like twenty six, twenty seven. God, I, damn. I have to keep breaking it down into small numbers. Yeah. Because if I tell myself five more real quick, my body's like, yeah, dude, five push ups, easy. That's a good way to think. Five about. more. The five push ups is easy. If I say twenty five more. 25 more is a lot. We just had a hard time with 25. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we just had a hard time with 25. Yeah. yeah I'm going to get into the Johto's real quick. Oh, let's do it. Oh, they're gone. No, they're here. Damn, my heart just skipped hey, a beat Well, there. okay. It's, it's, it's interesting because I saw season two of this came out this season. Oh, But sick. this was in 2018. Took a while, actually. Damn. Um, Actually, I don't remember when Kyoto got attacked. Kyoto Animation got attacked. I don't know either. Uh, 
I think it was after 2018. So this is probably them coming back to the show after they were attacked. Okay. Because multiple people passed away in that. Damn. But um, I, I, I really wanted to watch it because I love bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And when I clicked on it and saw it was season two, I was like, fuck. <laughs> but I still wanted to watch it. So I went back and found what was season one. And then I saw it was Kyoto Animation. Then mm. I honestly thought this was just a bow and arrow show. I thought it was going to be all about bow and arrow. I thought it was going to be like, this is the history and our culture about it. These are the techniques. I thought it was just going to be one of those things. Yeah. And they m- maybe do cool arrow shots because a lot of anime sports is let's make sports shonen. Yeah. <laughs> and when I saw it was Kyoto, I got really excited. Yeah. Because in my head, it was no longer going to be about let's let's make the arrow go through a time vortex before it hits the target. <laughs> uh, let's let's make the the thwack of the string reverberate through nations and make a, a cup in France explode. It was these people do kudo, mm. but it's a story about people. Yes. And that that got me very, very excited. And I I got everything I needed from it. Yeah. Well, from the first episode, because I'm probably going to watch the whole thing. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> um, but it, it was exactly that. It was the bow and arrow is a part of the show, and it's also a metaphor in the show, and it's also a release, and it's also something that can be a focus for everyone to be around in the range. Mm. But it's about this kid and the people around him and how he's going to deal with everything moving forward. It's not about how crazy can we make things. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm just I'm really excited to see a sports an anime about a sport that's not about trying to energize the sport. I I think there's so much fun. I love Blue Lock. Yeah. I love all those different... I don't watch basketball at all, but anime basketball is fucking <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think baseball is super boring. Not everybody you can love baseball. I think it's super boring, but I've, I've watched anime baseball, and it's this so cool. Yeah. But they add so much energy and hype. They JoJoify it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what makes it fun. It's because they animate it. Mm. Yeah. And they didn't have to do that here. I think there's I think there's a a very pretty relaxing feel to it. And I think that's like almost like what they when when they I feel like when they signed up to get this this anime because I'm sure it was a manga first and then it came to them or or there was a manga in their studio. I don't know how that goes about, but you know, it was a manga first, I would assume. And then as they worked on it, it's almost like yeah, like that beautiful moment that every gamer knows of what could have been uh, where Hideo Kojima worked on Silent Hill and suddenly every piece fell in and you were like, is is this going to be the perfect game? 
Will this with Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro was part of it too. Yeah, J- fucking Junji Ito, uh, Norman Reedus, currently one of the be- uh, bigger like actors at the time. Like he's at the peak of his career at the moment. Like we're we got music, we got uh, character design, we have monsters, we have fear, we have literally everything. The greatest demo of all time with PT. Yeah, and so like it, like bring but. The people that were brought in to do the team, uh, to to work on the things, were put in a certain section to make sure that they they worked so well. And I think Hideo Kojima brought those people in because he want he knew that they could do the job that would have served the story or the purpose of what they needed to get done. And I feel like, yes, could you make uh, a show, uh, a, a an archery show that is intense and when they fucking reel back and let go of that string it shatters time dimension and a woman's clothes rip off like you could just go crazy with it yeah you probably could but there's also this really beautiful meditative feel I was like that I love that whole bit where he like does that he walks forward and and his form is still perfect and like the 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 uh, I don't know was the guy a principal or just an older teacher I think he's just a teacher. That's yeah. right, because he said the principal told me to get this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the older teacher was like narrating. He was like, all right, everyone, as you step forward, you kneel to like appreciate the what you're about to do or take take inventory into what, what you're about to do. Take your stance, feet together, breathe, feet apart, shoulder length, like this beautiful little narration of how it goes. And it was this, this simple yet... I don't want to say just as um, like invigorating, but the attention to like a a super intense blue lock kick and this gorgeously simple, quiet breathing practice of a shooting range. The amount of focus I had here was damn near the same. And I, I think also because we're humans are so much about traditions, um, and. Uh, habits that we have through time. Mm. I think there's also something to say about the attention to detail of the animators and the storytellers that they were going to do exactly. They were going to emphasize all those moments that you do in Kudo that they would actually do because that's part of the tradition of this style of archery. Yeah. Is that is what they've been doing for so many hundreds of years. And to bring that to life, there's so much meaning to it. I feel I feel the same about if they did a green tea ceremony. Yeah. Like those oh, green yeah. tea ceremonies. You love these. I, I, I watched a video that was like forty seven minutes long of somebody making a cup of tea. <laughs> Dude, A. <laughs> Single. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But there, it was steeped in history and tradition. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and every movement was necessary Yeah, from the person that was doing this. Yeah. And yes, that, that kneeling to standing, to gauging his stance, to how he put the arrow into between his fingers and then pulled another one back, uh, how he brings the bow up. All of it is so traditional, and I think our brains are just excited to see something like that. Yeah. It's it's almost this wonderful fantasy of perfection. Yeah. 
And I, th- I, th- I think it was it definitely enjoyable, uh, just as enjoyable of seeing like that as opposed to uh, an intense like super animated explosion of 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 scenery and stuff. And yeah. it's like not less is more, but uh, there's a beauty in simplicity. I think. Yeah, and because it, it knows what it is. Yeah. If it if everything was exactly the same in this show, all this story, him going home, his dad not being there, how his friends are trying to hang out with him. Yeah. And then when he loses an arrow, a tornado comes out the back. <laughs> it would be so oh. Yeah. But then imagine if in in Blue Lock everything is over the top and crazy and then they play real soccer. <laughs> yeah. Be like what the fuck is going on? Right? Yeah. It's so jarring. Yeah. So it's like just from from jump everything is built up to be uh what's necessary for the story. And this is so necessary to be a meditative, contemplative moment with a sport that is about peace of mind when the character that's doing that sport as the MC has no peace of mind in any part of his body. Hmm. Those two are butting heads. You have to be clear and open with consistent breath and perfect body movement. And he is a whirlwind inside. <laughs> yeah. 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 It just works well together. I really like this show. Yeah. I probably sound like a fucking stan right now. Damn, bro. I, well, I so. do. I probably sound like just I'm just gushing over the show. Dude, gush. Get in there. Open a, a box of gushers. All right, I'm going to the topics. What the fuck? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy to me how little things have to be and to still leave a massive impact on a child. How a simple bowstring sound forever added an element to a person's life that they just decided to chase for so long. To get books of, to to keep a glove in his bag, to to absolutely live and breathe for something for so long. And of course it's... It, it, uh, it could be that because of someone that was close to him, uh, enjoyed the su- enjoyed the subject because his mom brought him to the archery range. We don't know if his mom loved archery. I don't know. Um, but it's also this beautiful thing that kids can also find idols anywhere. You can a kid can look at a, this older gentleman who brought that bow back and shot it with such beauty. It just ama- it just immediately imprinted on him. It was like boom, that sound. Uh, and I said, just the term impressionable came to my mind when it was like every, from when he was a kid, he heard the thwang, saw the guy doing it and was like, I want to do that. And then fucking boom. He, it was so cool that he had, he has this beautiful thing that he loves doing and doesn't get tired of doing it. It's his whole fucking life, his room, his, 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 in his bag. He, he loves archery. It's, it's his release. It's his escape. It's his desires. It's all that shit. And it all came from a moment. He was just holding his mom's hand. Who knows? Maybe his mom didn't fucking know archery was going to be such a big thing. She's just walking by and it was like, Oh, maybe he'd like to see this. And he just sees the, and he's just, and I just thought that was such a that's a such a such a cool little moment. Someone, um, I think I, I've said this before, but uh, I've heard the term. Someone said, uh, "Did I just watch a core memory?" Yeah, that's su- that like that concept stuck with me 
just imagine like you're in the like you're sitting there and you just see like a little kid talking to his mom what's that what's that sound and like she explains like that's the sound of the bow and you look down and you're like this kid's gonna be the best archer in the world bro this is like this is not as cool Aww. but I saw a core memory one time oh shit okay I was at a restaurant and the table near us had a few kids there and one kid they brought out I saw mozzarella sticks come out and this kid, I see this kid look down and he picks one up and he took a bite and I was just looking at him and, uh, that was the first time he ever had a mozzarella stick. Oh! So he takes a bite and he, he pulls away and his eyes get really big and he looks down because the cheese is a stringing. <laughs> right? So he goes full arm's length, still stuck, looks around, a little bit panicked. Puts it on the table and just starts grabbing it from his mouth, trying to pull the, the cheese until it breaks. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, he's losing his mind. And I'm just sitting there loving every minute of it. I'm like, yeah. this kid's never going to forget a mozzarella stick. Like, this is the greatest moment. Nobody prepared him for this. Nobody let him know what was going to happen. No one's helping him through Dude, it right now. He gets. He finally gets it. He gets it to where he can just eat that piece that he had. This kid crushed mozzarella sticks for like the rest of the, the, the he crushed the plate dude it was his favorite thing in the world he starts twirling Hell around yeah. with the cheese a little bit he's playing games with it dude it was his favorite thing bro that's adorable but that's all i could think was like i was i was nudging people around me i was like yeah. that's his first mozzarella stick guys this is his first month mo- look at this kid with his first month mo- dude i was losing my <laughs> mind it was so cool and Damn. i was i was so happy that the, that the restaurant had good mozzie sticks because you know the ones where you bite into it, and even today, as a 30-year-old man, if I get a, a mozzie stick from your establishment, and I bite into it, and it doesn't pull cheese out of my mouth a little bit, yeah, I'm like, dude, <laughs> what kind of podunk frozen food aisle do you get this from? <laughs> you kidding me? You fucking me around? You didn't dip this in oil? Why isn't this not this gooey mess? Yeah. How dare you? Take this back. I want to... Uh, I'm a grown man. I didn't get mozzarella sticks just because I think they're tasty. I want an excuse to play with my food. Yeah. And Lord knows, I what are they, fucking $10? Would you give me four? I'm not getting full oh, off these bad dude, boys. Yeah. So the what are price. they, chicken wing, pri- chicken wing prices dude, here? Dude, these people are charging $2 a stick out there right now. Yeah. And so I didn't buy these for getting full. I didn't buy these because, uh, yeah, they're they're amazing. The whole idea, I can be a bit childish with these. I, I paid play. extra for the experience, <laughs> and I'm not getting it from you. And I just watched a kid's dreams come alive. Now give me what he's having. I was so happy for him. <laughs> Bro, I can only imagine if we were at Chili's, he would not have had that mozzarella stick experience. He wouldn't have. No. It makes me sad. Yeah, he would have. He probably, he might have never gotten mozzarella. He's like, ugh, this yeah. guys suck. I yeah. don't know why I'm just sucking down a big old chunk of cheese right yeah, now. Yeah, this cheese, this is a not as flavorful chicken nugget. D- Damn. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. I'm just thinking <laughs> like, like a <laughs> shitty frozen mozzarella stick. Dude, this kid, I mean, he would have been like, I got these at home in plastic <laughs> things in the fridge. It's called string cheese. I don't know why. Yeah, dude. Why am I messing around with this? It's a bullshit. Did you have any, and it doesn't have to be on a level of this This thing changed my life yeah. moving forward, uh, kind of like the bow with with this character or 
there's a bunch of stories of actors and there's a bunch of stories of people in sports, stuff like that. Yeah. But was there a thing that just clicked you into being a fan of or wanting to do for the rest of your life or wanting to keep as a hobby? Um, I'm trying because I'm trying to think of like narrow down my hobbies here. Uh, I would say I I know apparently a moment that it did click, but I was very young and I was only told of the experience. Uh, apparently, when I saw Aladdin, when I was very little, uh, in theaters. Apparently, I came out and my mom was working at a restaurant at the time, and she couldn't take me, so she had one of her coworkers who like babysat for me all the time, took me to the movie theater, and so I came back and apparently. Uh, I like got up on a chair. They were closing, so no one was there. And I recited the entire movie to everybody. And the lady was just like, I just watched this movie, and I don't remember any of these parts. Uh, apparently, the entire time, I was like, I'm going to be, I want to be like Robin Williams. I want to do what he did. That's the thing I want to do. And my mom was like, fuck. And she, and she said she was the proudest because she's like, everyone in the restaurant stopped cleaning the table, stopped doing the stuff, and just listen to a, a five-year-old tell the story of Aladdin <laughs> and I was like dude I'm just going hard I was like yeah. and then she's like you were doing the whole thing you were doing genie's voices you were like never had fun I me like going hard and so having that little moment with with that like being told of it I was like okay that must have been a little moment that snapped into me but apparently I was like yeah it was like a six-year-old it was like, yeah I'm gonna move to Hollywood I'm gonna it's gonna be hard I'm gonna crush it out there yeah apparently I was little and I said moving to California Apparently that's I always knew that, and then uh, drawing wise, I think the first thing that I remember that really clicked with me was my father uh, drawing uh, my Captain America action figure. I remember it wasn't there wasn't too many things that like my dad liked to do stuff, but it was kind of young age. Dad's not sure what I'm into. He's trying to like show me different things like you like tossing ball around you like fishing do you like cars like what do you what are you kind of into and I really picked up on dad at this huge sketchbook and I remember he just sat there telling me and showing me the fun of dynamic poses he was like it's fun he's like you could put your character just standing like doing nothing that's boring he's like always if you can make it have action give it fun give it flavor make you want to draw it and so he was like he posed Captain America badass and he drew him and I'm sitting there fucking enamored that he turned this blank page into a perfect looking thing of Captain America I'm sitting there like like just blown away I'm abs I'm speed racing oh like I am losing it so I'm never gonna get over the fact that one of my favorite shows of all time has been distilled down into oh <laughs> and that's all speed racer is now damn it <laughs> damn it i'm sorry oh no, it's fine it's fine it's fine yeah so i would say those two moments those two moments for me that's nice. uh, i would yeah if i had to pin them down what about you uh one this one's not like a hobby or anything it was just I'm I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Okay. Miami Dolphins have not been good my entire life. Mm -hmm. They've been in the playoffs uh, five times since I've been alive. And two of those times, I was too young to understand what was happening. <laughs> Damn. So they haven't done a whole lot my whole life. But when I was in second grade, I saw a Miami Dolphins game. They were playing against the Jets. They lost, by the way. Damn. So you would think they wouldn't be my favorite team. Yeah. But Dan, I, I just remember the last play of the game, Dan Marino threw a pass. And I was watching the ball on TV going through the air. And it kept going. And it kept going. 
and it kept going. And I thought, he's a superhero. <laughs> Humans can't do that. Humans. You can't throw a ball that far. He overthrew the receiver. Yeah. They had to get a touchdown to win, and he, he, he threw it as hard and as far as he could, hoping that the receiver could get there so that they could get a touchdown. They didn't. And that moment, I just, I'm going to be a Dolphins fan for the rest of my life. Yeah. That man is a superhero, and that's going to be my favorite thing forever. Damn. Uh, so that's, I mean, that is why I'm a Dolphins fan. Yeah. Because people will be like, oh, are you, oh are you, who do you root for? Miami Dolphins. Oh, where do you live? California. Oh, have you always been there? No, I moved there when I was young. Oh, okay, so you're from Florida? No, I'm from I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. They're like, what? How are you a Dolphins fan? And then I'd be like, okay, so I was in second grade. Hell yeah! But I think I think a different one is um, probably the reason that I'm. In Los Angeles to do acting stuff is through middle school, Heath Ledger was like my biggest idol. Yeah. But in middle school, even though Heath Ledger was my the person I looked up to more than any anybody, and I felt like he was the only he was like the thing that I could look up to and have somebody to learn from. I thought acting was stupid. I thought actors were annoying. I thought playing pretend was so dumb. Mm-hmm. I was like, all of that is just a joke. Why Why do people care so much about these people? Yeah. I was being a little hypocritical because Heath Ledger was like my everything. <laughs> and even up through junior year of high school, I was like, who cares? Like, what is up with this? Why Why does everyone like these actors so much? Yeah. They're fun to watch. Woohoo! Dance, monkey. Like, you can yeah. <laughs> like just do, you just read a thing off a page and you do. Who cares? Yeah. And then I did a play my senior year uh, because it was my favorite play. I also hated plays. Like, I'm a, I'm a, a walking hypocrite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hated plays. I, I thought they were bad books. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the explanations of things? Yeah. Where's the setting? It's just words? Like, it's just people talking to each other? This sucks. Damn. But I read Cyrano de Bergerac when I was a sophomore. And then I read it once a month, every month, for the next six years of my life. Damn. It was my favorite play ever. Yeah. They were going to do it my senior year, so I did it. I auditioned for it. I got a role in it. Not Cyrano, but I'm not salty about it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And it was this weird moment of from seventh grade... Until senior year, Heath Ledger was my favorite person. Mm-hmm. I looked up to him. I watched all his interviews, watched all his movies all the time. He taught me pretty much how to be a man, okay. I guess. Like, that's who I idolized. That's who I like, trained myself after. Uh, and then senior year rolled around. I did a play. And then I got to reintroduce myself to him from the standpoint of I'm doing the thing he loved to do. Oh, okay. So I was no longer just a fan of the dude. I was like following in the footsteps. And now when I'd watch his interviews, I would listen to how he spoke about acting instead of just how he spoke about being a person. Uh, And that, then I did the next play. Yeah. My senior year. And then I went to college and took acting classes constantly. Mm. 
and then just left the idea of being a English teacher or physicist and moved to Los Angeles to be <laughs> an actor. <laughs> and that's all cemented and codified just by Heath Ledger and trying a play and then rewatching all of his movies and all of his interviews from the standpoint of now I'm watching to not just learn how to be a person from you, to learn how to do the thing that you did. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. So that was like, that's like why I'm here. That's like why, Damn. that's like why I'm Justin probably. <laughs> Dude, Justin watched that scene where the lady freaked out like, holy shit, it's Heath Ledger. And he kissed her. And Justin was like, that is, that will be me. Well, she, she went on to put fake makeup on herself to say that he gave her, uh, uh, diseases. She's a comedian. Oh, I was like, wait, what? No. Yeah, she, well, it was, yeah, she oh, was okay. a comedian, but like the next bit she did was she put, she made it look like she had herpes. Damn. And she goes out and she's like, oh, I got this because Heath Ledger kissed me. Damn. I was like, damn. <laughs> it's funny, but. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Oh, shit. That was a, was a deep episode. A deep up. show. Yeah. Shit. Maybe maybe feel feelings. I don't like this isn't what I got in this business for. Assholes. Fuck man. How dare you? I wanted to look at some some anime, some anime thighs and and maybe some fights. I didn't expect. You got that in your sh- you get that in your shows. Some bullshit. Dude, let me have my feeling shows. <laughs> I'm gonna bring a box of tissues every time I'm gonna sit down, Justin's gonna go. There's another Kyoto show. I'm just- well, tissues. you're gonna need tissues for my shows and your shows, but for very different reasons. Damn. <laughs> but tissues, nonetheless. All right, everybody. I think that's gonna bring us to the end of this one. Uh, I loved the show. Yeah. By the way, there's nothing bad I can say about it, except for the 3D car. But outside of that, <laughs> <laughs> it was only on screen for like two seconds, so who cares? But I, I loved it so much. I think that's gonna bring us to the end of this one. And as usual, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys have a great afternoon, morning, night, wherever you are. We'll see you next time. Bye.